So yeah, uh, I'm really excited to be here with you guys and I, I really love coming home. That's what I call challenge. I call challenge home for me because uh, challenge is where my life changed. It's where I started walking with the Lord. I accepted Christ back at the University of Oklahoma, which for those that do not understand geography, that's in the middle of the country. Um, so there you go. Uh, grew up in Georgia and Florida, ended up in Oklahoma for a while, and now I'm out here in California. So my family blames me for going to the wrong coast. I'm like, you guys get hit by hurricanes every year. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, I'm really excited to be here with you guys tonight. Like Cody said, I, I did travel. I do have a full passport. I, I'm working on my second passport. And um, okay, before I get into some stories, does anyone here have like a freakish fear of flying? Okay, you are probably going to have a deeper fear of flying after this. So just <laughs> pretend like I'm making these stories up. Um, for the rest of you, I'm going to go ahead and let you know now that the facts involved in these stories are in no way made up. These are absolutely true to every detail. I have to say that because I have been known to fabricate stories from time to time. <laughs> these, however, I have no need to do that. These are in of themselves crazy. Uh, so, some helpful facts though. Flying still is the most like safest way to travel. The chances of dying in a plane crash are like 1 to like 9,823, something like that. Whereas like an auto accident is like 1 in like 114. So flying still is the safest way to travel. Uh, that being said, okay, um, my wife Amy, so uh, my wife and I were leading a team to Africa one summer. And I was flying to Dallas, our team was meeting in Dallas. And then from Dallas we were going to fly over to London and then from London down to, UK, uh, down to like Dubai and then from Dubai down, you know, a lot of flights. Anyway. My flight into Dallas was getting late, and there's only like one flight a day to like London uh, from Dallas. And I just remember thinking, I'm gonna have, has anyone ever been to Dallas International Airport? It's nuts. Yeah, it's like the worst airport in the world, other than Atlanta, which is also like the second worst airport in the world. Uh, or Chicago, also a bad airport. Basically, the worst airports are all in America. Las Vegas, Las Vegas is nuts. Um, Singapore, however, phenomenal airport. Just to let you know that. Okay. Um, so anyway, I'm flying late. I'm running in. So my, uh, well, my wife, she's my wife now. Uh, we weren't dating at that time. But anyway, she was thinking, there is no way that I'm going like, to lead this team by myself. Because essentially, I would be like a day late. Like, I would basically be a day late getting to Africa with my team. So she, single-handedly, this is like, does anyone know my wife? She is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So she single-handedly held up a Boeing 777, like, four <laughs> times. So... <laughs> They would like, she would be like, no, he's on his way. And they're like, you need to sit in your seat. And then they, she would sit in her seat. And then like, they would walk away. And then she would run back up to the gate and say, you need to open up the gate. And then they would escort her back down again to the seat. <laughs> and then like the moment they, she would turn around, she would like, run back up to the gate again. So she did this like three or four times. So long story short, I actually did get to my gate uh, a little late. Uh, I got into my seat. And right when we were about to take off, the, the, pilot, or, uh, the pilot comes on the intercom and says, um, we found a potential weapon on the plane, so we need to everyone to deboard the plane. <laughs> now that I like ran uh, to get on this plane. Uh, so anyway, we all got off the plane. They found a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. My wife held up a 777 airport. So that's nice. That's cool. Okay. Uh, the next story here I have for I call Fire Over Mexico. Uh, this is the, I, I gave this one a, a title. So. Um, so actually, my wife was on this plane, too. So we spent a week in Cuba. We were discipling uh, Cuba, uh, Cuban Christians. And for people that might not understand, to be a Christian in Cuba is, 
is basically one of the hardest things for them to do. Uh, most of them have been raped, uh, usually by government officials during a mandatory two-week uh, harvesting. Uh, so most of them are raped by government officials. So that's their background. You know, men and women both are coming out of this, and they're accepting Christ. And we would get to go basically once a year. We go to Cuba, and we spend a week with them. And we disciple them, we're training them, we're, we're, we're helping them understand what it means to be, uh, you know, a follower of Christ. And this is exciting. So then on our way back, we basically, our passport said we went to Mexico. And then we, we basically like hopped on a flight to Cuba and back. Um, passports never said that, but that's basically what we did. So anyway, we're on our way back, we're flying back into Mexico, and I'm not like super fluent in, in Spanish, but I, can, I know a few words. Anyway, so all of a sudden, the, the stewardess comes up, and she starts speaking Spanish so fast, which is already fast to begin with, but <laughs> the only word, literally the only word I picked up was the word fire, and then she did this. <laughs> I'm like, we're going down! We got fire over Mexico! So anyway, people are putting their heads down between their legs. And I thought, if I'm going out, I'm not going out with my head between my legs. So I was like scooting over. It's like, I'm going to look out the window. Anyway, so um, our wings started leaking oil. And there's you know, fire, basically. And anyway, that was the fastest descent in my entire life. Literally, we went from cruising altitude to landing in like less than two minutes. Imagine that roller coaster. A lot of people accepted Jesus on that flight. <laughs> Okay, uh, last story. Uh, I, I've titled this plane story, Animals, No, no AC, and a Second Takeoff. So uh, I'm in Uzbekistan at this point. Again, another mission trip. And um, literally like in the middle of the desert in the, like, the most remote part of the world right now. Who knows where Uzbekistan is even? It's by the stands. Just know that. Afghanistan, Pakistan. It's just in that grouping of stands. Anyway, so we're on this, we get on this plane. We're going to fly from Tashkent over to Nakus. And um, essentially, this is like a little two-prop engine plane. There's like a little, you know, there's a prop on each side. And we get on this plane, and I hear this. <laughs> no joke. Seriously, like I said, I am not making this up. I look behind me, and there are goats on this plane. So, of course, the plane to get power to take off turns off the air condition. So now we're sitting in a plane for over an hour without air conditioning with goats uh, while they get everything loaded up. And then we start to take off. And apparently, like, the plane didn't get going fast enough the first time. So they slammed on the brakes and literally they backed it back up. And they're like, we're going to try that again, guys. I'm like, can we just get off? I'll walk. I'll walk. Anyway, so there you go. Good plane stories. Um, so anyway, what do these stories have in common for me? They have taught me in life that there are situations in life where I have no control. I am literally going through something where I have no control about what's about to happen. And, and this is just the case of life, guys. There are going to be situations in our life where you will be in something. You'll be going through something. You're thinking to yourself, I have no control over this situation. I wasn't expecting this situation. And honestly, I have no idea how this situation is going to turn out. And this is what I want to talk about tonight is we're talking about having the best life. And, and I love this series. I love that phrase, the best life, because I do believe without any question that you can have the absolute best life. But here's... What I think is also true is the best life is not a life without struggle. It's not a life without asking questions. It's not, it's not a life where you understand everything that's going on. That's just not reality. But you can have the best life despite those different things. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. My, uh, my hope tonight is really uh, here in the next you know, 15, 20 minutes is that whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going to go through in the future, that 
you know, whether you understand it or not, whether your questions get answered or not, whether you ever find a solution to the things you go through, that you'll be able to experience the best life through those things. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, whenever you find yourself in the dark, um, and when I, when I say this, the dark, what I mean is these are uh, times that you are going through something that you didn't, ex- you didn't expect it to happen. You're caught off guard. The dark may be a time in your life where you're, you're wondering if something will ever happen. Maybe you're single and you want to get married, but you're just wondering if you're ever going to be able to do that. You maybe you're, you're going through, maybe you have a disease or an illness and you're wondering, will I ever get better? Um, in my life, I've gone through several things uh, where I found myself in the dark. And uh, so what I want to do tonight is I want to give you three things to help you stay on course whenever you go through the dark times in life, because dark times are coming. I know that's not encouraging to tell you, but um, dark times are going to come. So I want to give you three things tonight to help you stay on course. And the first one is this, remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Now, this isn't really like the first place you would think to go to whenever you're, you're experiencing something that's in the dark, but this is the, the absolute first place you have to go. So you have to remember what God has done. Now, I have some amazing memories in my life. Um, now, I have some uh, memories uh, that will never leave me. I have some memories that I wish would leave me, um, unfortunately. Uh, there was this one time that I ate a fried tarantula, uh, but it was like pregnant when they fried it, so it had like 100 eggs in it. It was like eating a fruit gusher. Not making that story up. Cambodia, 2006. Wish I could forget that memory. It's like, it's still there. The legs tasted kind of like barbecue chips. The abdomen, totally different story. Anyway, so yeah, so there, there's some memories I wish I could forget. But I have a lot of great memories as well. Um, everyone's like, I have nothing, we're done. I'm just gonna pray now. <laughs> we're gonna be done tonight, hope you had a good time. See you on Sunday. Um, Okay, so I have some really great memories as well. Uh, I remember the first time that I held my wife's hand when we were dating. Okay, that was like sensation, guys. Woo! Okay? Uh, I just remember it. I mean, I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I just remember thinking, this is so exciting. Um, I remember the day that my wife and I got married. I mean, I can play that memory to a T. Every single detail of that day, I can tell you. I can walk you through it. Um, because that memory has been a part of who I am. I remember holding each of my children in the hospital the day that they were born. Now, these memories, these aren't just memories that I have. These are memories that have literally transformed me. These are memories that have made me who I am today. Um, now, I have, I have new memories. I have memories of my children coming up to me, and they cuddle, and they fall asleep on my lap. And you think to yourself, this literally is the best moment right now. Uh, my daughter, uh, Coraline, if you know Coraline, she's a cutie. Uh, just about every night when I tuck her into bed, she says, Daddy. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're the best, Daddy. And I think to myself, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I am your best daddy. Kind of by lack of other options, I'm your only daddy. So logically, yes, I am your best one. But uh, she's super cute. Uh, she holds her hands around my neck. She doesn't let me get out of the bed. Um, you know, but these are moments that are transforming who I am every single day. And this is why it's so important that when you're going through the dark, when you're going through times in your life where you are questioning if God is even there, you have to go back to what God has done in your life. Um, 
This isn't in your notes, but it's, it's back here. But I want you guys to write this down as reference. It's Hebrews 13, 8. And this verse says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this is such a crucial verse because here's the, here's the, the thing, guys. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. That means all the things that God has done in my life, all the memories that I have of God being a rescuer, God being a provider in my life, God transforming my life, all the things that God has done in my life yesterday, he is the exact same God today and in the future, meaning he has not changed. Even though in this moment, I question if he's there. Whether in this moment, I'm going through something and I just, I feel like I'm stumbling in the dark. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I remember the day that Christ came into my life. I remember that day. I remember the day that he freed me from sin. Hebrews 13.8. I heard that. It's a good reference. You should memorize it. It's short. It's like seven words. Um, I remember the day that I got victory over being enslaved to this feeling that I could never change, that I could never measure up to people, that I could never make a difference because I struggled with this in my life. Um, my past was, it was a hard past. My dad was a, an abusive dad. He was an alcoholic dad. Um, he beat my mom. It was a hard past. Um, my dad passed away when I was young. Uh, my mother, unfortunately, because of that past with my dad, struggled to really open up herself to, my, to me. And um, it, was about, it was really until I was about 20 years old that the word love was mentioned in our family for the first time, and it was by me. I told my mom that I loved her, and that was so incredibly awkward that I hung up the phone. But that's my past. And I grew up feeling like I will just never measure up. I just don't have the past. I don't have it in the cards. And I remember the day that Jesus Christ freed me from that. That has transformed me. See, there's days, guys, where I struggled. There's still days. I'm 35. How old are we, Paul? No, you're 34. I'm 35. Yeah, okay. (laughs) How old are we? (laughs) Guys, there's still days that I struggle. But the same God that freed me from that bondage back then is the same God that's in my life today. You have to remember what God has done in your life. I want to introduce to you a couple friends. um, They're in the Old Testament. Uh, a guy named Habakkuk, okay, and a guy named Jeremiah, we'll get to Jeremiah in a minute, but Habakkuk was a prophet who prophesied in the reign of Jehoiakim, basically from about 609 to like 598 BC, so basically like a long time ago, and this was a time when God's people were about as far away from God as they possibly could be. The northern kingdom of, of Israel has already been basically wiped out from Assyria. Now, the southern kingdom of Judah is basically about to get wiped out by Babylon. They're going to come in, the, the Babylonians are going to come in and wipe them out and just basically to deport them uh, to different places in the empire. And Habakkuk is looking at his people. He's, he's, he's surveying the land and he's struggling to find hope right now. He's looking at his people thinking there is no hope. My people are done. And this is what he writes. He writes this in Habakkuk 3.2. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. Do you see what Habakkuk's doing there? He says, see, see he, his source of hope is found in remembering the events that God has done in the past. Now, Habakkuk, like I said, wasn't the only one who speaks of remembering. The prophet Jeremiah was kind of a contemporary of the time of Habakkuk. Essentially, uh, Jeremiah was writing about the same events going on. And Jeremiah writes this in Lamentations 3, 21, 23. He says, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, 
The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies to begin afresh each morning. I love that phrase, yet I dare to hope when I remember the love of the Lord. See, guys, the first step that we have to do whenever we find ourselves in the dark, we find ourselves struggling with something, we, we, we find ourselves you know, struggling to hope God, or we're wondering if, if God is even here at the moment in our lives, is we have to dare to remember what God has done in our lives. When you can't see him in your present situation, remember what he's done in the past. You have to remember what God has done, and then you dare to believe that he's going to do it again. So I want to ask you guys a couple quick questions. Real quick is, what do you need to remember about God in your life? What do you need to remember about God in your life? Was there a time that he came through for you? Was there a time that he comforted you? Was there a time that he rescued you from something? Was there a time where he answered your prayer? Remember, you guys just got back from a fall retreat. Fall retreats are like the best. Um, Remember that. Amazing things just happened a couple days ago. Remember those. Because that is what's gonna give you strength. And that's what's gonna give you the, the, the ability to stay true whenever times are dark. So first, you have to remember what God has done. The second thing we do is we have to accept what God is doing. You have to accept what God is doing. Now, so often when we find ourselves in the dark, we, we find ourselves in situations that are difficult, they're sad, or even hopeless. We, we're tempted to think that God left us. We're tempted to think that God took another assignment and kind of forgot about us. But the truth is, is that God is always at work in your lives. Even when you feel far from him, he is aggressively working in your life. I want to share with you uh, really some of my favorite verses. These are verses that God gave me when I was in college, when I was struggling, essentially with this exact same question of, God, where are you? What are you wanting me to do? I'm asking you, God, what do you want me to do? And I felt like he was being silent. And these are the verses that he gave me, Psalms 37, 3 through 5. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Now, that's a lot of, there's a lot going on there, but I want to break this down really quickly for you. That first phrase, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. What he's saying here, what David, King David uh, in the Testament, Old Testament, he's the guy that wrote this. This is essentially what David's saying. He says, look, wherever you are in life, be there. Don't, be, don't get yourself distracted about trying to be somewhere else. You are where you are. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Does anyone know what cultivating means? It's an agricultural term. Okay, anyone kind of okay, get the idea of it? Basically, growing something. That's the, that's, okay, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, so that's what we say. We say grow stuff. Um, <laughs> you got to cultivate faithfulness. You have to grow it in your life. It's not going to happen overnight. You can't just say, God, I'm going to be faithful in this area. And then the next day, all of a sudden you have no problems with it. It's just like, well, that was simple. Now I'm ready for the next thing. It says, cultivate faithfulness. That means you're going to be given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to say, God, I will be faithful to do what you are asking me to do. God, I will be faithful if I don't understand it. I will be faithful if I don't get it. I'll be faithful if literally I'm the one that's going to have to take the hit for this thing. I will be faithful. Cultivate faithfulness. Now then you get this part figured out. Then you, the next part, everyone loves these next verses. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you desires of your heart. Really, it's the second half that people like, the desires of your heart. You realize there that delight yourself in the Lord comes first. You delight yourself in the Lord 
And when you get your desires lined up under the desires of God, well, of course he's gonna give them to you because they're his desires. See, delight yourself in the law of the Lord means align your desires with the desires that you find in scripture. And when your heart's desires is to see the desires of God's desires come true in your life, then he gives them to you. And then you commit that way to the Lord. You trust him and he will do it. Um, so accept what God is doing. Sometimes the reason that God's not speaking to you as clearly as you want him to do is probably because you haven't done what he's asked you to do the first time. And he's thinking to you, he's like, yeah, I, I would really want to give you more things. I wanna bless you with more things, but you're not doing the things that I've asked you to do the first time. Now, as a parent, this becomes even more true. There's time after time where my children are like, dad, I wanna do this. And I'm like, I want nothing more than to give this to you. Like literally, like it is breaking my heart that I have to say no to you right now because of this. But you have not done this. And I need you to do this first. The moment you do this, I can give this to you. Cultivate faithfulness. Can I give you guys a pro tip in life? We're old. Paul and I are experienced. I like that term better. Um, yeah, I'm 57. Um, here's a pro tip, guys. Okay, never make a course adjustment in the life in the middle of the cloud. You guys get that? Think about it. You're in a plane. You ever get in, been in a plane in the cloud and you're thinking, I really hope the pilot knows where he's flying because I look out the window and I just see gray. But here's the thing, guys. We have to trust the pilot. When you decide in the middle of the fog in life, in the middle of the valleys where it's dark and it's hard to see direction, if you decide to, at that point to make a course adjustment when before the valley, when you could see what God is asking you to do, then you can say, okay, God's asked me to do this. I'm going this way. But then all of a sudden you get three or four steps into it and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's dark and it's, it's gray and you can't really see what's going. And all of a sudden you think, well, I don't know if God wants me to go this way. Maybe I should go this way now. And you start making a course adjustment in life, that's when you crash. So that's the pro tip in life. If God has given you a direction, you stay in that direction and God will pull you through the darkness. He'll pull you through the clouds. So there's a good pro tip in life. Um, Here's the truth about life. We criticize most what we understand least. Universal fact. You criticize most what you understand least. It's easy to question what you don't understand. When you're in the valleys of life, when you're in the dark, what you need to do is you need to shift your focus from what's being unknown in that moment to what is known. And what is known is God. God is knowable. God is known. You can know God. Even though you don't understand or know what's going on in the moment, you can trust and know God who has complete knowledge of everything that you're in. So shift your focus from trying to understand what you can't understand anyway and, sh and shift it to knowing who already understands it. Know God. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The way that you shift your focus is to give thanks. You give thanks to God in all circumstances. Now the Greek word for all in the Greek means all. There you go. You learned some Greek tonight. Um, all circumstances. That means the circumstances that you have complete understanding of, you understand what's going on, you feel confident about, and that means you have circumstances that you don't have understanding of. You, you, you have questions, you, you have doubts, you have struggles. You give God thanks for those as well because he is the one that is in control. Um, where do you need to cultivate faithfulness in your life tonight? In your life right now, where do you need to cultivate faithfulness? because that might be what God is asking you to do right now. And what can you give God thanks for? What in your life right now can you give God thanks for? Are you daring enough to thank God for the hard things that are going on in your life right now?
Now, I've gone through hard things. I'm only 35. I expect to have harder things in my future, but I've gone through hard things. My mother just passed away this last spring. Uh, my, my wife and I miscarried our third child uh, during pregnancy. Those are hard things, guys. Only by giving thanks to God have I been able to work myself through those and come out better on the other side. Give thanks to all things, okay? So you remember what God has done. Second, you have to accept what God is doing. Third, you trust what God is going to do. So first, you remember. Second, you accept. And then third, you trust. You trust what God is going to do. Now, often when people talk about things in the future, they say things like, well, what if this happens? Or what if this, what if this never happens? And it's easy to give in to fear about things that haven't happened yet. You find yourself consumed with doubt. You, can see, you find yourself getting kind of consumed with anxiety. And you, you, basically, you get derailed from life. This is what fear does. Um, okay, can I give you guys another pro tip? Is that, can I give you, okay, pro tip number two. Fear is a liar. Pro tip number two, fear is a liar. Okay, uh, anytime you give in to fear, you're giving into a, uh, you're giving into a lie. God is not a God of fear. Um, Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Second Timothy uh, 1.7 says, for God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Okay, God is not a God of fear. You give into fear, you're giving into a lie. So reject it. Um, okay, remember our Old Testament friends, Habakkuk and Jeremiah? Okay, I wanna, I wanna go back to them here in a second. Um, Habakkuk 3, so remember the situation that we found Habakkuk in? Essentially, he's looking around and realizing this is hopeless. Like literally, there is no hope here. And yet, somehow in the midst of this, uh, Habakkuk is able to make this response. I wanna read this to you here. It'll be uh, on the screen behind me. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, he says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails and the fields like empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You guys catching what Habakkuk is saying here? Even though the, the fig trees have no blossoms, there, there's no grapes, there's no crops, there's no flocks, there is no evidence of anything good happening anytime soon. That's what Habakkuk's saying. Basically, hopeless. Literally, I see nothing good on the horizon. Yet I will not stop trusting that God will bring about something good. Jeremiah's response is much the same. He says this, those few verses later in Lamentations 3, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation for the Lord. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. Um, Jeremiah's trust was not found in a promise of a great future or a great career or being famous or even being prosperous. Um, he found his, his trust in the promise of eternal life. He found his, his trust in a promise that God, despite everything that he saw around him, will still do good to those who depend on him. You trust what God is going to do in your life. So a couple questions for you before we wrap up tonight is, what lies are you entertaining? Are there lies in your life right now that you are entertaining? Maybe they're lies like, I'll never make it. I'll never be like so-and-so. I'll never make a difference. 
I'll never be able to overcome this addiction. I'll never be able to, to overcome this sin in my life. I'll never get married. What lie are you entertaining right now? And will you trust God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever to come through for you again? God has done great things in your life. The very fact that you are sitting in this room tonight is evidence to me that God has done good things in your life. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You trust what God is going to do because he never changes. He never fails. And he never lets us down. So as I wrap up, I can't promise that you're never going to have struggles. I just can't um, because I just haven't seen that to be true in my life. I've gone through hard things. And I expect to go through harder things in my future. But what I can promise you is that God will never give up on you. I can promise you that his love exceeds anything that you can ever experience in this life. And when you walk through circumstances outside of your control and you feel like you're stumbling in the dark, three things. Remember what God has done. Accept what God is doing. And trust what God is going to do. You can do these three things. You'll find yourself coming out of the darkness. You'll find yourself coming out of the unknown circumstances in life stronger. You'll find yourself coming out of it with faith that is stronger than when you entered into it. We don't like the valleys. Most of us live for the mountaintop experiences, right? Who doesn't? We all want to live for the mountaintop. But here's something interesting in a mountaintop. Um, On the mountaintops, there's little oxygen and there's no water. The two very fundamental things that you need for life are found in the valleys. Valleys are hard. Valleys are dark. Valleys are uncomfortable. But the very things that helps you grow and become stronger are found in the valleys of life. And you trust God through the valleys and you come out stronger on the other side. I'm going to pray and then we're going to wrap up. Now, before I pray, I, just want, I have one last verse there, uh, Psalms 27, 14. Um, this is a good one. I just I want to give this to you. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. When you're in the valleys, take heart, be strong, and wait for the Lord. And he'll come through for you every single time. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for this group of students. God, I see world changers in this room. God, I see, I see people overcoming addiction in this room. God, I see people overcoming their past in this room. God, I see people making a new future for their last name in this room. God, my life was transformed in a group just like this 15, 20 years ago. So God, I have hope. I have absolute 100% confidence, Lord, that you are going to do great things in the lives of these students. And Father, I pray right now as we move into a time of reflection, as we move into a time of worship and a celebration of who you are and the good things that you have done, I pray that, God, that you'd meet us right here, right now where we are. And Lord, that you would release us from bondage, that you would release us from sin, God, that you would release us from whatever is holding us back, and God, that we would experience tonight freedom, that we would experience tonight victory. God, I thank you so much that you are good and that you do good to those who seek you. God, thank you for the promise. Thank you for that promise that never fails. God, you are the same yesterday. You are the same today and you are the same forever. I thank you for that. We pray this in your name. Amen.